another episode of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review movies, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. My name is Ivan, and I'm joined by my co-host and the winner of the 1998 Mighty Morphin Power Rangers sweepstakes, Emmett. Go, go, Power Rangers. Dude, that song. I like, did you, wait, did you watch Power Have we ever talked about Power Rangers? Have you watched it? You know, it? I, I did watch it. Uh, but I was so young that none of the storylines kind of stick with me. I just remember them being like in a park, just like yeah, doing high kicks and that's, spin kicks. That's ninety percent of the series. But it was it was legit like a children's park. It felt like it was like out barely in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Yeah, that yeah. Vibe? That was pretty much most of the the episodes. I feel like it was always like park centric, and then ten percent Japanese footage spliced in there. <laughs> And like nobody was actually making contact with their kicks, <laughs> but and a lot of hias, huh? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but like the mouths wouldn't move. So it's like, who's <laughs> talking here? Who's talking? <laughs> Did you have a favorite Power Ranger? Um, yeah, you... I think Your it was always work. the Red Ranger for me, oh. just because the color red. You know, that was you know. Sure. I feel like most kids would go to that, right? Like it's whatever your primary favorite color is. When did green get introduced? I want to say like halfway through the first season. I, am I? I might have been the green one, but red was for sure. Black was dope, and then when the white guy came, the white ranger, not the guy. The white ranger was like he looked like a legit samurai. The white power ranger. White power, yeah. I'm not. I don't <laughs> like him because of that. <laughs> you said it. I didn't. <laughs> the, the, I like the ranger part of them. <laughs> the, the 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 Green Ranger was initially evil. Then that was good. it. Yeah. And then the Green Ranger is the White Ranger also in the original. Oh. All right, that's getting confusing. Yeah. No, that's, he loses his powers and then com- they give him back that, new powers. One of those things where it's like white is the combination of every color or something like that. Yeah, it's like a white <laughs> is right situation. <laughs> You're saying it, not me. <laughs> Fans, come after this guy. That was, that was just the Saban producers back in the day. Although now that we're talking about it, um, like they were pretty ethnically diverse, the Power Rangers, ever since like the very beginning. Uh, yeah, I think they were pretty diverse. However, everyone had a helmet on, so it was like we're all kind of the same, right? We're all yeah. Rangers. True, true, true. But I mean, for a show that was you know comprised of mostly Japanese footage with spliced in American footage, you know, it kind of worked with what they got there. You know what Power Rangers I really loved? The one with Brian Cranston as the big head. <laughs> Did you watch the, that movie? Oh, the, the the one with the Krispy Kreme as the main endorser, and they were mentioned almost every other scene? <laughs> yeah. That was God. such a bad one. <laughs> Honestly, I was kind of surprised, because um, it, it hit around like the peak MCU days. I think that was why it was bad, because it was like, these kids fell into a quarry and became Power Rangers. Like, what was it that? <laughs> uh, hey, man, we have not caught up on a, a pod app in a while. We've been on summer sabbatical in the winter. We've been on winter solstice, spring break, summer extravaganza. Yeah. Extravaganza. Fallout Boy jam sessions. <laughs> and yeah, Fallback just... Boy into winter, hibernation, <laughs> seasonal effectiveness disorder. Morphia. All of it, all of it. Yeah, it's just delayed us routinely day after day after day. Yeah, so we're recording on the 11th of December, big day. 
RIP 2023. We're almost done. It's been yeah. a year. Yeah, we're going to do, uh, you know, our favorites of the year. We're doing a year-end episode before the end of the year, but we'll probably get aired in the new year. So it's right on time. <laughs> no, let's think of my stuff together. This pops out right before. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, let's catch up with each other's walls. What do you got going on in your world? Yeah, I wanted to chat real quick about something that I think we kind of brought up before, but uh, Why not physical... do it again then? Yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> we retread stuff all the time here, so we we deliver the news very late. <laughs> I got sent um, copies of Mandalorian season one and two on Blu-ray, um, courtesy of Parker PR. Uh, <laughs> but I was I was kind of like, is, is that a sponsorship? Not necessarily. Did, I just did, did you get some... paid to say that? I did not. Although if they're listening. <laughs> well, we won't say no. We're we're open to it. Um no, I was I was I for for one I knew the I knew that the these were gonna get released. I actually pre-ordered them on, on Amazon, along with like there was releases for WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and a couple other Disney Plus shows. But um you know, I, I think there's been a lot between this and the release of Oppenheimer on Blu-ray this week. Um, there's a shortage of Oppenheimer on Blu-ray. There's people are, are like having a hard time trying to find it. Um, it just kind of got me thinking about physical media in general. This has been the year that it, I think kind of hit streamers a bit in terms of like, hey, you're paying for this service, but at any point we can actually take out some of the content you're watching and just vault it. And just not have it, you know, just for royalty's sake or some other, you know, I'm sure complicated reasons. But um, it got me thinking, like, I'm glad to get the stuff that I do like still. And I think I shared this before, but like any movie that I'm really, really obsessed with or love or whatever, I always want to get like a physical copy just because, you know, it, it feels good to have it in hand. But also you never know if. You know, you one day you don't have access to subscription service or, or all that. Um, but it's kind of when a dying When is that going to happen to you? <laughs> <laughs> I think your earlier scenario is more realistic where it's like, I think the big one that I can remember was like The Office leaving Netflix to go yeah. to Peacock. And it was like, what the heck is a Peacock membership? And then it, it turned out like I had to pay like $5 a week or whatever it was. Like, I think that upset a lot of people because everyone like, that was a like background noise for office fans. It was just like always on. You could just turn it on, just kind of let it run. Yeah. But like this year, like I don't think it's stuff that we've like the Disney Crater movie that came out. Then there was Willow and a couple of other like projects were just kind of taken off of uh off of Disney. They weren't offered up for for purchase digitally anywhere. And because these were streaming only shows, they weren't offered up on Blu-ray or anything. So there's content that they're, you know, they're they're deleting and they're making room for. It. And it's just something like I feel like having a physical release of things is kind of future-proofing it for for you know for some time. And then I was also like a big fan of buying the different versions of the Star Wars movies that came out because they would con- George Lucas would constantly change them. Um, but no, it just got me thinking. I'm like. I know we're kind of getting rid of Blu-rays in general, but I hope that there's still at least even like a niche market for it that they justify still releasing some of these. Because to be honest, I haven't put any of these in there, but like I know from experience and just from like a film background, 
a physical copy is definitely going to be superior to a streaming copy just from a quality perspective. Um, just I'm because there's less no... scratches. <laughs> well, currently there's very few um, providers of 4K streaming, right? So like you can't get mm. true 4K quality on almost any service right now because I don't think in the US we have a high enough uh, internet speed to allow for for that to be used too uh, continually. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what are your? Th- I, I know you're not really much of a physical media kind of guy anymore, but is I there- mean, I used to, I used to treat it like a library, where like with books, you know, like where you just kind of stock up on them. I I used to have shelves full of them, and I I kind of want to get back into it because I recently was at a mall where one of the stores had like dollar DVDs, and it's all the classics that I love. And I'm like, if it means something to you, maybe just buy it and put it on the shelf because you're right, like. Not even from a quality standpoint, but just like kind of from like a collection completionist view. But I, I agree. I think if uh, for me, it's like when a movie means something, I want that physical copy. Like a great example is like I, you and I have shared that bond for the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy. That was like an easy purchase for me. Like just get those on on disc. Not, and I actually do like rewatch them on there as opposed to on Disney Plus or somewhere else. The quality is noticeably better. I, I don't know. Like, it, I guess it depends on like the TV settings and stuff. But like, there's also I, just like, something so satisfying about like putting it into. For me, I play it on my Xbox, and then just like actually having to hit like the in the main menu, like getting that constant you know loop of a scene or soundtrack, and then it's like scene selections, play movie, like add in commentary or like deleted scenes or whatever, like. There's something so satisfying about that. It like, really takes you back. It definitely does. I also like. I just realized too. Like I was purchasing the sequel trilogy as they were coming out on Blu-ray, even the ones that I didn't mildly <laughs> enjoy all that much. But like the special feature stuff on this stuff is like, it means a lot to me. And these things apparently have like. I think an hour or so of like behind the scenes content that they haven't put on those uh, gallery episodes. Mm. So I'm excited to check those out. Um, it's just, it's a nostalgia thing for me too. Just, just, just like you said, I feel like it kind of takes you back. Well, um, you know what it also does is like when you, when you start a movie on a streaming app, you, you don't get that initial setup. It just goes right into the movie. And what sets you better into like, I am about to watch a movie than getting previews. Right. Like when you go to a movie theater, yeah, we all complain like there's like 30 minutes of previews here. But that's also kind of the excitement of like what else is coming out like DVDs still do that where they will show you what is coming to DVD or what it was aired at that time. It's like it's almost like a time capsule in yeah. the setup. It's like magazine ads that you get from like an old Game Informer magazine. I'm sure I have some Game Informer back issues somewhere over here. <laughs> But um, you know what I do to to prep myself before I watch any movie on streaming? I pop up the old phone, go to YouTube, and watch that good old Nicole Kidman ad from AMC (laughs) as I dim the lights. (laughs) (laughs) To explore and lose ourselves. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. (laughs) I was like, yes, it does, Nicole. Yes. Why why is this playing? I'm in a regal. Oh, I can't stand the Regal one, man. This is why I go out of my way to go to AMC, just because that that one ad just completely ruins the yeah. experience for me. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I uh, I gotta I gotta beef up my DVD collection because right now I just have like my favorites, but I loved just having movies that like made no sense to be on the shelf, but like you had them. Well, if you have any inclination on owning Mandalorian, I would suggest you get the copies because apparently it's a limited run. So okay. well, look they might not got, be around. Look who's cornering the market with his two DVDs. For real, look at that. <laughs> uh, before I get on my wall, and while we're kind of talking Mandalorian there, did you watch the Ahsoka? Uh, I'm, it's not called Assembled, but like you know what I mean, the behind-the-scenes director's thing. So I haven't seen anything. I, I did see like a, a preview thing that they did before the show aired that was called Master and Apprentice. That's it. It's like five minutes long. Yeah. That's all they did for her, which is like, are they waiting or are we getting more? But I haven't. I think that's it. So I I got um a little bit of time. an I got a little bit of an insider thing that so apparently. The reason why they didn't do anything for Ahsoka yet is because she's a woman. Yes, because she's a woman. And she's orange. And she's orange, yes. So minority of minority there. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) So, and it kind of made sense. It clicked for me after. But apparently they usually shoot these as the show is kind of beginning to air episodes. And um, Ahsoka aired right at the peak of these strikes that were going on the writer strike and the uh the actor strike so they weren't able to do any promos for any of the stuff that um is current it was like forbidden by sag after but now that all those things have been settled it sounds like they're going in to record some stuff for ahsoka uh they've definitely been a lot like social media heavy the the crew has been um, so I think that that's uh, that's coming down the pipeline. I don't know if you saw that promotion of Dave Filoni too recently to being yeah. the, the head of uh, content creation, basically. This, this guy's a wonder kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I don't need behind the scenes or like on the side interviews of the actors there. I want that roundtable like we got for first Mandalorian. That's all I care about. I just want like. Give me the directors. Give me um, Rosario Dawson. Like, give me. You don't need to do all the actors, or but yeah, just I just want to hear people talking about it and like what they were going for because that really lets you into. Oh, okay. I I kind of understood that as a fan, but now you're like naming what I'm seeing. Yeah, I love that first. Um, Nothing's gonna beat that one. No, because there's, what was it, five episodes, and each episode concentrated on a different element of the show. Yeah. And it's enough that you, it's like 50 minutes, right? Like 45, 50 minutes, but like it was enough time to really like immerse yourself in that one aspect of the show. I still love the the the, the fifth episode when they're yeah. talking about connections between the trilogies, and Dave Filoni goes on that really yeah, beautiful I... explanation <laughs> of the prequels. So but also like that little part about the 501st, that charity group that dresses yeah. up as stormtroopers, and how they got them to go in and, and for that shoot, like that that stuff is really cool to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because that also makes me think about like I I just watched the Loki one, the uh, Loki assembled, and it's a lot of just like them grabbing the actors either before they shoot that day or afterwards, and they're not as focused because they're giving an interview while they're prepping or coming down from recording a scene. So it's like, this is not the energy I want. 
I don't want them just to like hype me up on the scene that they just performed or that they're about to perform. I want people who sit down like after the product is finished and talk about like how did we get here. Yeah, and I think for that you need a Dave Filoni like as the roundtable person, right? Because I feel like but, like Tom Hiddleston would be great in a roundtable. No, yeah, but I I think the way that they did it there was like the the director and the producer along with the cast or along with the music producers or along with like different elements of it. And I think that that sparks really great conversations. Like even the, the experience of going to Comic-Con and talking to some of these behind the scenes folks at, at the booths, that's some good conversations there to, to have. And I feel like putting that on the screen the way they did that first time. Yeah. I, I hope they get back to that at some point. Like, I don't know why they, they, they shifted away from it. I would have to assume it's like a resource thing. I don't know, but I do miss it. All right, I don't have a ton on my wall. I just wanted to go over one thing because it's the best right now. Uh, are you keeping up with Fortnite? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now that we're through the OG season, which I, I really liked, but this new update, I got to tell you, man, I... <laughs> did you go to the Eminem concert? I did not go to the Eminem concert. Dude. I completely missed out. That's that's our new Woodstock, which was a, which was originally <laughs> <laughs> the Marshmallow Inn in Pleasant Park. <laughs> <laughs> uh no like this is there's so many things i could talk i could do a full episode on fortnite it's like it, it keeps out like it outdoing itself like the og season was a perfect way to get back all the people who grew out of the game because it's like oh that's a familiar map um i mean the, the problem is that like they they have they put them in lobbies with these kids who are cranking on them so yeah that that is a problem but then doing like a concert with eminem and then launching the new season right after that i don't know if you looked at the numbers but there was like 40 something million people playing at the same time which is wild for a video game i never had an easier time getting into a game than when the ogs pass came in but getting into the game itself was also difficult if you didn't time up your uh your queue wait time because that people were getting like hours to get in they had to do the concert twice like once at 4 p.m shut it down and then bring it back online for like a 10 p.m it's wild that's insane but like look at the new season right like they've introduced legos you can literally play as a lego character they have rocket league racing in there they have like the legos is minecraft they have like all these creator maps in there like Fortnite is literally becoming the first stage of what the metaverse is without actually putting yeah. your physical body in there. You could play as somebody from Marvel, from DC, from star Wars, from comic books, from um, anime. Like you could play as anybody and they're only making more and more partnerships. Like this is ready player one, the beginning of it. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I, yeah. The, no other game. Can you drop in the squad formed up of Goku, Luke Master Skywalker? Chief. Yeah, Master Chief. Pick your fourth character. It could be just an OG, you know, like it's wild. It's a lot. Um, honestly, like I was kind of surprised at that uh, the VGA, the video game awards recently, where like I don't think Fortnite won best uh, continuous game, but like wh- like who else is standing on that same platform? You know, like I feel like they kind of own the market for that at the moment. Yeah, and then I like, 
and my other friends will pretty much only play Call of Duty. So like I'll hop on with them to like just catch up. And that game just doesn't evolve. It's, it's dull. It, they just launched a 150 gig or 190 gig update or whatever it was. It was insane. It took literally all day for me to download this update. And the new map for them, it looks like the old one, just different colorations on the map. And it's like, what did what did I download and what did I put my time into? And then you look at a game like Fortnite, which takes up like a quarter of that on your on your hard drive space. And... Yeah. It runs so smooth. It's it's flawless. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. Like, and I, well, I guess I kind of do. Like the the people writing the game off a bit because I feel like like it's even for, I it looks like it's for kids, but it's not. yeah. That's the thing though. Like it's it's like with the Nintendo situation, right? Like with, with like Nintendo games are fun. I don't care what age you are. You sit down, you play Mario Kart, and you're hooked on yep. it. Yep. You don't, you know, halfway through it, you don't care that you're not, you're staring at a 720p screen. You're not looking at a 4K screen. You're not looking at updated graphics. It's like the funness of it, I feel like, doesn't degrade. And that's crazy to me because I don't think I've ever played a game that has caught my attention for this long. Because, like, to me, Call of Duty, it's, don't get me wrong, it's fun, but like, to me, it's kind of like FIFA. You know, where it's like, oh, next year's Call of yep. Duty is just the same Call of Duty from last year, but strapped with a new skin. Yeah. Um, it, That's yeah. just what it was. Yeah, it's so easy to skip a season of Call of Duty and be like, I just bought a $60 game from them. I'm going to wait a year or two, not get the one that comes out next year, get the one that comes out after that, and like kind of space it out. Because there's no difference between these games, even though it's made by different studios. It's, it's wild. But this... Like, Fortnite, I know a lot of people are complaining about like, oh, the movement's different and it feels slower. And like, yeah, it does. But you're one, you're going to get used to it. And two, don't you want a company that just swings for the fences every time and like is either a home run or like, okay, maybe we got to, you know, we didn't quite connect perfectly on it, but it's going to change again in a couple weeks, in like a month or two, you know? And they listen to feedback. Which yeah. I think is the big the big thing. Like how many times has Activision come Never. out and, and shift look at Battlefront? You know, everybody was complaining about it when 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 it came out to EA. And EA's response was to basically be like, Oh, now it's pay to play. Yeah. And they've finally perfected it. They got it really well at the end, but then they ditched it. And like it's not they weren't looking at it as a like a long time thing. They weren't looking at it in any smart way that they should have. If Epic ever does <laughs> a Star Wars game in a similar fashion to this, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they can do it inside Fortnite. They have like they have the characters. They have fans building worlds for them. Like, it's so wild to me that this is a free game as well. Call of Duty yeah. makes these almost no changes every year, and they charge you 60, 70 bucks for the game. What? <laughs> yeah. It's just wild to me. And like I, I, for people that, you know, are turned off by Fortnite, I get it because it's like, oh, it's cartoony. I think it's for kids. It's like, yeah, it is for kids. But there's a lot of adults on there, too, which is you don't see a lot of games that really span across generations. No, you don't. Besides, they may be Super Smash Bros. But <laughs> I feel like it's it's very it's it's very much a it feels very timeless and i'll say that like it took me a little bit this time to realize how long it's been since we had the og map yeah uh live so i was like oh wow this has been on for a while then <laughs> yeah um time kind of flies on it but no it, i i like it and besides any brand 
that's worth anything right now is going over there to try to collab in some form because I've seen through it you can introduce new generations to characters that are like from classic movies and stuff or anything like that and i know there's the whole joke of like oh that's the guy from fortnite kind of meme but to be honest like isn't that how like us as kids got introduced to certain things that we wouldn't have you know like the the only reason i saw i got introduced to ninja turtles was that ridiculous crossover with power rangers back in the day you know like but yeah it's that's how it works and i think that um you know epic has been killing it so far with a lot of their updates yeah i'm loving it too that that rocket league racing game like is very addictive you're right like it's something like mario kart where it's just you you don't have to think as much like fortnite the actual game is you constantly have to be paying attention and be ready this is just like it's just drift racing and it's fun i gotta get on the rocket league one i've tried the lego uh, yeah the, i i don't have the you know the mind for minecraft so I'm not as much into that. I tried it, but it looks like Lego. It looks like Lego yeah. Star Wars in this game. I hopped, I've hopped onto Minecraft with, uh, with my godson, you know, maybe a year or two ago, and they were. This reminds me a lot of it, so I get the appeal. And like to be honest, it's what a smart move <laughs> to yeah. partner up with Lego out of everything. Because I'm like, yeah, if you're coming, if you're swinging for for Minecraft or I guess even Roblox, right at this age, um. Like what other timeless brand is there but Lego? Yeah, yeah, connects, Lincoln Logs. <laughs> Lincoln Lincoln Logs is the next. <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, Hot Rods, the racetrack one? <laughs> Need for Speed. <laughs> no, that was not. <laughs> I think it was just Hot Wheels. Was it Hot Wheels? Yeah, Wait, Hot little tracks. It? Do you remember? Like, did you ever have those? Like, we we used to just build tracks that would just go through the whole. Well, the, the little orange ones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> barely had little bumpers on it, so like the cars would fall off. Like, yeah. <laughs> Man, imagine that in Fortnite. All right, that's enough wall talk, right? Yeah, I think I think I think we covered all our bases here. <laughs> all right, so we are going to get into this year's favorite movies and shows. Let's do the disclaimer, like always. You know, we aren't listing highest rated or grossing movies or Oscar exclusives. Like, we we know everyone has their own taste, so these are not definitive. Like, if you didn't see this, you're an idiot. And if you like these aren't all your top fives, you're wrong. We actually are interested in hearing other people's, but um, I think we're just yeah these these are the ones that resonated with us. And you know, before we get into it, I gotta say this was kind of a thin herd of a year. It's funny you say that. I was just reading this thing that said 2023 was the blockbuster year for movies. And I mean, I'm like, really? Box office wise, maybe. <laughs> no, <Quality it>, wise? <laughs> I think for both, it kind of fell short a little bit because I, I also was kind of struggling to get my uh, my top. But, and I didn't order these in like best to worst. It's just like these are the five movies that I feel like stand. Yeah, I think we rest. can kind of hop around. Mine's sort of listed in that direction, but. Uh towards that like middle to and it, it's kind of tough kick us off with your number one and then i guess that's how we'll go right like you you shoot me your one uh, and I'll, do, I'll do my one yeah let's do one each see if there's any crossover here i think for me i can say this was my number one of the year and i think barbie was was easily the best movie of 2023 yeah i feel like that 
Did it make my list? It did make my list. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I see it on your list. I have access to the notes. I mean, like, Margot's performance was amazing. I think Greta's directing really made this a very special movie. Um, you know, not taking anything away from a female lead or female cast, but Ryan Gosling killed it in his role. I think, you know, the satire was perfect. It hit you over the head, but then was also subtle in some ways. It was just such a perfect movie. Like, and and I think we talked about it when when we uh, reviewed it. But yes, it felt weird being like a, a single guy in that movie theater. But <laughs> if you take a moment and look around, it was like generations of women, and then you know men with couples, and there were other some single guys in there. I was like, I'm in the suburbs at a Regal, like on a random night, and it was a you know a crowded audience, which was great to see. Yeah, I think the uh, from Cinema Score they said it was around um, like a sixty percent female audience and forty percent male, which typically when it's like that high of a percentage for for female audience, it's more or less like twenty percent, thirty percent male. So this is definitely like skewing female, but there's a heavy male uh, influx there. I also have Barbie on my list. Um, it's at I put it at number four again. N- none of these I feel like I ranked from best to worst, but. You're right. I feel like it was one of those movies that surprised me uh, in a way, in the way that Deadpool did back in whenever that movie came out. <laughs> um, it di- it did for Barbie what Ryan Reynolds did for Deadpool, which was like put it on the map in a way that felt smart, true to the character, and really like introduced mainstream audience to it. Because uh, like not not so much that you know Barbie as a brand has been around for way before we we've been around um but this was a smart way to integrate that movie my only fear is that this movie is going to teach the execs the wrong thing because you could see it already we got Polly pocket the movie coming out in two years we got um a whole but i think i think connects is even getting a a movie or something they they basically looked at it and they're like oh toy brands toy brands are so hot and it's not it. It's like it's no. a perfect merge of the brand and the message. And yeah. you know, honestly, I hope this does drive sales of Barbie dolls because if anything, <laughs> like that, yeah. that that was that was great. That was a great hole in one. Did you watch? Do you watch any of the like actors on actors in on YouTube? Yes. Did you watch yeah. the one with Margot in it? Yeah. Yeah, I think she made some really salient points in there where, uh, like, she is so thankful that a that this was like a unique movie it wasn't a reboot it wasn't a recreate it wasn't a sequel which is really hard to do nowadays i totally agree i think the fear that she was talking about though was like i don't want there to be a barbie 2 because the execs see it as a money grab and we can just stay relevant in that way but because it was such a fun cast and such a fun um, directorial group she would do a, a barbie too like if it was on the table which kind of is like oh, but that's also part of the problem is like we can't just let this one nice thing be a nice thing yeah i mean like as long as here's the thing like if they bring back the same team and that same team has a great idea for a story as long as the story you know is great make all the sequels you want but like if you're making a sequel for the sake of it you get the marbles, you know, like that's that's kind of what it is. I mean, 
you can tell when the yeah. sequel is like very story minded versus when it's not. And I think that if if we have another three years for them to build that out, then great, I would welcome a Barbie too. I think it, it definitely would be um, justified. I mean, look at those box office numbers. Of course, the studio is going to want another one. Yeah, the trouble is that like the execs get too involved because they all think they have a great idea and they say, what if we do this? And then they have to do it. And then it, it ruins these movies. True. True. Um, right, hit me with one of yours. So I have another. So on, on my number one, I get, I, I put uh, across the spider verse and um, I put this on here just because like, honestly, like those into the spider verse across the spider verse, these movies continue to be, um some of the best quality superhero anything that we've seen and the reason for it is like i think i think it takes a unique approach to these it's a multiversal story but the multiverse aspect of it is like the very minor background thing it's not you know it, it hits you with the story and then it's like oh yeah this also takes place within the multiverse um and i feel like it it avoids the heavy sin that other multiverse stories take wh- whereas the multiverse becomes a crutch um for them uh, but also, like, the, the direction on this movie, the prime... The, what makes me so happy about this, and we talked about this a while ago, but I think Western audiences in particular have very little respect for animation. They look at animation, and they're like, oh, it's a kid's thing. And it's not. You can tell really deep and touching things with animation. Like, especially if you go to Japan and look at anime and look at different other parts of the world and see what they're doing with animation. It's so much more sophisticated than what we got going on in the States. Um, and this, this is one of those franchises that I think is going to open that up a little bit more for us. Um, and I have a runner up in my list that we will talk about later, but that I think is like, a like a spiritual godson to these films. Um, because it kind of, continues that trajectory a bit for us but i could i hope that it continues to innovate and all that i'm really looking forward to to finishing up the story it sounds like it's going to be a while but you know what like just let them take their time you know let them let them cook it up as much as they need to (laughs) you know we don't want to get this before it's well done yeah i had this on my list it was kind of in that two or three slot for me uh all the same reasons you talked about i i it wasn't quite as good as the first. And I don't know if that's because I can't remove the biases of like house floored and stunned. I was at seeing the first one where it was watching a comic book on the screen. That to me is like, if we put that in the MCU, that's, that's in the top five, right? Like that was such a good movie that it's really hard to follow that up with something of equal value, but they, they came darn close. Like it was really good. Um, and yeah. And I, I, for all the same reasons as you talked about there, I think it was just a fun watch for, for any age group and a really cool concept of like canon events and, and another way to explore the multiverse that was really hot in, in the MCU and and not handled perfectly well uh, in some of these movies. So to see them do it in a, in a right way was really good to watch. Uh, just to complete the Barbenheimer weekend, I'm just I'm just gonna throw Oppenheimer out there, man. I loved this movie. I the funny thing is though, like talking to more and more people about it, it seems like it's very hit or miss. And I think it's it all has to go with the length of the movie. To me, I was like edge of the seat 
watching this thing the whole time. I, I think we talked about this in another episode where the, just the way that the scenes kind of fed into each other and the way that the scores worked and like the build up to the actual use of the bomb and like all these, you know, cut scenes of like who's, you know, getting the better of the other person in these, you know, these interviews in that little dark room, uh, that bureaucratic room on the side, like the whole movie just worked for me. I mean, I love Christopher Nolan. So I think it was kind of obvious that I was going to love this, but I think all the acting was was truly stunning. Um, and actually, yeah, that was uh, Margot's counter on that uh, Actors on Actors. Why am I? Killian Murphy? Yeah. Is, is Killian or Cillian? I, was, I always used to think it was I thought Cillian. it was Killian. It is Killian, yeah. I thought so. Because it's not what you want it or think it to be. Because Cillian reads right. Sicilian Murphy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Sicilian Murphy. Cause, cause, yeah, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> uh, I, it's not on your list, right? But was no, it close? It, it definitely. So I didn't include it just because I, I feel like that's kind of a big one for a lot of folks. Um, and I kind of wanted to highlight a few things that I think Ooh, we got a hipster up. on the pod, everybody. He's too cool I, for Oppenheimer. Like that are not mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> all right take the fedora off and, and talk to me about your third one then <laughs> no a, a few like words on oppenheimer i like honestly i thought it was first of all perfect marriage on the weekend of release of barbie and oppenheimer because i thought i enjoyed watching both of those back to back mind you i loved oppenheimer but it's one of those movies and i think we might have talked about it. i don't know if you if, if, if you thought the same about it necessarily but Oppenheimer is one of those films that I thought was really, really good. Way too long for me to watch it again. <laughs> but yeah. I, I it's it's great. It's one of those that you kind of, you know, you, and you know those movies. That There's movies that you definitely, like, you'll recall well and you'll watch it at some point down the road again. Um, but it's definitely not, like, the type of thing that you would go back and rewatch with. That being said, I think the biggest thing that I loved about this film was um, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. Yeah, and yeah. finally getting to see him like get out of Iron Man's shadow per se, right? Because I think he just had a lot of duds after leaving the MCU. Um, but this kind of shows that he he's got the acting chops for a lot, um, especially with a good story, a good script, a good director. Um, so yeah, I, it, it's definitely a really good movie. I didn't have it on my list. I had a couple of other movies that I added on here. And <clears throat> I guess in a similar kind of vein, I did want to highlight for me um, a movie called Blackberry. And this one was kind of a sleeper. Yeah. Was that um, Apple? Apple TV? Uh, no, it's on. I want to say it was Amazon Prime. Okay. I could be Keep wrong. Talking. Our producers will get on it. I, I, I bought it on iTunes <laughs> to watch it a, a few weeks ago. It was on sale for like eight bucks. Um, no, this movie came out around a little bit after the movie Air came out, which was also one that I wanted to highlight um, as a runner-up. Yeah, that was right there for me, too. Um, Air was one that I unexpectedly really, really enjoyed, uh, especially for one that's like based around Michael Jordan, even though he barely makes any sort of appearance on it. Um, but BlackBerry similarly tells the story of the rise and fall of BlackBerry, the company um the very shady goings-ons and the uh the the quirky um the quirky start to the business um 
it's one of those stories that feels like a Steve Jobs biopic in the same vein. Um, it's a really, really fun watch. Uh, it's very entertaining. A little sad at times, just because, you know, the nature of it. But it's so interesting to get, I guess, go back in time and just take a look at the development of stuff that we kind of take for granted today. Like the encrypted end-to-end encryption of sending of, of messages and how revolutionary that was at the time. Um, and then also being taken back to the point when you were charged by text message uh, back in the day because text would yeah. travel through the, you know, the, the, the signal for, uh, for cellular service. Whereas now we've created a different network of way, you know, we created networks so that you're bypassing a lot of that. Um, but it's so interesting to kind of look at the origins of it and see just how peak BlackBerry was. Um, there's a scene in the film, not a spoiler, because obviously all this, shit, this stuff happened in, in, real, in reality, but there's a point in the movie where they tackle the whole, or where they, you get the character's reaction to the iPhone. And it, to me, was kind of like a cool little thing to look at because you're with them on this journey to see the the, the rise of the company. And you're kind of rooting for them, um, but like obviously, you you know everybody knows how how things kind of went ultimately for BlackBerry. I didn't realize though that BlackBerry was still in business until about a year ago. Yeah, didn't they like re-release the phone essentially, like an updated version of it? Yeah, they basically tried with the whole keyboard and all that um, back in after the after years of trying to do a smartphone and they just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was Prime. Uh, Yeah, this was one I do remember hearing about, but I just never made the time for. But if you're giving an endorsement to it, maybe uh, maybe I will give it a try. It's a fun watch. If it's on Prime, don't don't pay the eight bucks. Just go to Prime to watch it. But (laughs) yeah, all hail Amazon. Right. Yeah, for real. Uh, this is where I start to go. I the the herd is thin, and I'm gonna go probably against what a lot of people appreciated or would pick. Uh, and I don't even know if this is actually worthy for my list. But with poor research and planning for this episode, this is what I'm gonna go with. But did you watch the movie You People on Netflix? It's uh Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, Murphy. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> Terrible reviews. Uh, probably rightfully so. But just something about like that dinner scene between like Eddie Murphy and Julia Lewis Dreyfus was like, it was just so perfect that I, I I loved it. And like I love when Jonah Hill is like just an odd character. Like he he played such a weird guy in this uh, in this movie. It, did did you see the one where he was uh, was it War Dogs where he's like a contract? Yeah, uh, with yeah. Uh, the the guy that was everywhere Miles during Teller. the time. Yeah, Miles Teller. Yeah, like know. he's got this like slick back hair. He's got this like Miami Vice white button up, like unbuttoned down halfway. Like I love when he does these really weird characters. This by no means was a good, like, rateable movie, but I thought it actually touched on you know some poignant topics in in our society between race relations and a lot of it stemming from just not understanding someone else and then trying to become over accommodating for like, I feel like I have to apologize before we even start talking. It's like, but you don't even know me <laughs> like, so yeah, I, it, it didn't move the needle for a lot of people, I'm sure. So I don't think it's going to be on a lot of lists and probably not worth talking about much more, but it was one that I enjoyed and it was kicked off the year. It released in January. So I was looking back at the beginning of the year too. 
Yeah, that was one that I had completely forgotten about. I don't know why I thought that was a uh, a 2022 film. Um, but yeah, it was like I, right on that borderline. I always enjoy Jonah Jonah Hill's performances on things, especially like because he tends to go for some roles that are a little bit off from what you would expect them to take. And I think part of that is because of the whole typecasting that he went through after Superbad. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought the movie was pretty solid. Um, I didn't think it was terrible necessarily. I think it got a lot of undeserved hate. Um, I can kind of see why uh, it's in yeah. certain respects. But at the same time, I thought it did a pretty creative um, job at trying to portray a lot of the issue, a lot of the social issues. Um, I also think it was very um, kind of timely, I guess, that that uh, film gets released at this time. There's a couple of films like it that have kind of come out like the stuff on social commentary from different categories and stuff. There's the, I think it was called the, the animals will, will warn us or something like that on Netflix. It's, it's one that's coming mm. out now that kind of has a similar vibe to it. I don't know yeah. if you've seen the marketing campaign for it, yeah. but I'm butchering the name, it, it, but it's, um there's a movie that's very similar on brand to that. But like, to me, this movie reminded me of um uh, the, the alien movie from Jordan, Peel last year i don't know what it was but they had this a similar vibe um to each other uh and i think that that's why i feel like the script was just bold enough that that's why it kind of turned some people off it's not necessarily it's a bad movie it's just that some stuff go over goes over people's heads yeah that's definitely enough of that one so hit me with your fourth yeah, so I put cocaine bear <laughs> on here. <laughs> All right, Which... let me with your fifth. <laughs> Jeez, man. I, I've brought on cocaine bear several times on the on this pod. What a um, die. <laughs> I saw this when I went up for um the first conference that I had for uh for my company in the beginning of the year. It was just so fun, man. <laughs> like, I don't like this yeah. is one of those like stupid, funny movies that I thought uh, it was so stupid and funny that it, it was good uh, as a result of it. Um, by no means is this an excellent story or any sort of like script that it, it, it reads and sounds like a script written by a film student trying to make a good thesis that just makes people laugh. Um, and that's ultimately what it is. But it's done so well. And it's done so funnily. And like and it has somebody that I thought has been kind of ignored by Hollywood ever since Solo, but Alden Ehrenreich has a pretty significant role in this movie. And I thought he absolutely killed it from, from the humorous standpoint and from horror. This is more of a, a comedy than it is a horror movie, but it's classified as, as a horror movie. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just a lot of fun, especially if you have a nice group of folks that you're sitting down to watch something with. I feel like this is something that's better, better enjoyed with more than just yourself. Um, but it definitely is a, a very, very funny movie. And I thought this is one of the films that made me laugh the most this year. All right. Before we get into our last ones, do you have any like honorable mentions? Um, I did had I did had Oppenheimer in mind, but I did uh, want to highlight TMNT. Yeah, I didn't get to watch that yet. You liked it? I love that movie, man. Yeah. That very similar vein to Into the Spider-Verse. That's why I kind of left it out of the list. Because mm. I'm like, it's, it's it's one or the other. Um, but it's like a like a spiritual cousin to, to those movies. Um, from the animation style to the focus on, on the script and the voice work for it, I thought was great. Like the fact that up until this point, the Ninja Turtles have not been played by actual teenagers. 
um, was the fact that I missed <laughs> a. Yeah. But B, like, yeah, it just kind of brought a level of authenticity that I don't think I ever kind of attributed to to the Turtles. Uh, and I, I grew up watching some of this stuff, but I was never a big Turtles fan, you know. Calabunga. <laughs> and then the other highlight is um, that one Jennifer Lawrence movie that gave us a Hot Ones episode this year. What do you mean? No, but what do you mean? <laughs> Did you watch No Hard Feelings? I have not seen it, no. Yeah. I see that it's on one of the platforms, and I keep scrolling past it. I think it's on Netflix. I keep scrolling past it, I'm like, not tonight. Nope, not this kind of night. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about it, though, and I feel like that's one of those... Th- like, I want to talk about it, and I want to get into it, but, like, I just... I haven't found the right time to sit down and be like, all right, let me rent it, or let it me... Just, yeah, it just feels like one of those, like, raunchy movies that I'm like, I don't know what mood I have to be in to be like, all right, I'm going to put that on. Right, yeah, but I... You know what? Jennifer Lawrence right here is... is, is um. She could is, be like a fun actress or yeah. actor. I don't know what we're supposed to say actor right now, right? I definitely missed her in the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes for sure. Did you watch that yet? Because I I still have not, and that's I on did. my list of like honorable mentions because I want to go see it still. Like I I want to see that, and then Poor Things. I I definitely want to go see. I did. I I read Poor Things. Is that the one about the 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 girl that gets Mark surgery? Ruffalo and Emma Stone, and she's like a frankenstein yeah yeah i read the book to that that it would surprise me if there's no controversy behind that film after (laughs) really yeah Um, i've been watching like all these like actors on actors and like mark ruffalo was just on hot ones as well and they're doing so much press for it and like they don't talk about the movie at all other than like what the process was like to to shoot it or to film it and it's like i almost kind of like that where like i don't know have a clue of what this is really about but I know that the cast loved it, and they loved the director. The book is definitely kind of twisted. I'll say yeah. That. yeah. So, I'm. Um, I do kind of want to watch it. I didn't know it was out already. So definitely... December eighth. It literally dropped like last weekend. Okay, I should put my AMC thing to use this week. Then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's on my list of like it. It. It seems like it could be one of those ones where it might jet up into the into the top five for the year. Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, though, yeah, I thought it was all right. Um, I didn't think it was um, on on the scale of like it's definitely better than the last two Hunger Games, which were the uh, Mockingjay yeah, films. Yeah, but this doesn't take too much to be above them, you know. Peter, it would be for me. It would be Catching Fire, the first Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and then the last two over here at yeah. the bottom. Um, so it's not like it's it's not awful either. Like it's it, it really isn't. I think they put in some really good performances. It's just that to me, it just it's just missing some of that appeal that the originals had. And I think part of it is like it's been played out. But also like the villain angle of it. Like I don't feel anything different about you know snow that I didn't already feel before. Which is like cool. He is a despicable person. Now get to see his origins. It's like, oh, surprise! He was always a despicable person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I like the idea of uh, Hunger Games. I like Fortnite. So sue me. Oh, I will say that <laughs> there. This is a, a lot more brutal than the others in terms of is the it? actual games. Yeah, Jeez. and it. I wasn't really because per- like everybody, or maybe it's like a, an age thing because we were definitely younger when the first ones came out, but I didn't realize how young some of these kids are. And in this film, they make an emphasis to, to, to make sure you don't forget how young these kids are. 
Oh, jeez. So the movie's kind of mean in that way. <laughs> like watching Rue die. Well, picture Rue, but like times three a bit, because there's a couple different um, times characters. Three divide. No time, it's time times three. Um, okay. But yeah, it's it's very it's a very rough. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's kind of mean sometimes. So just bear this that might be mind. one of those ones though, like where I kind of just wait till it's out to stream. Yeah, I, I, I maybe I, even wait for a sequel of it, and then just kind of like trilogy it. Or... Are they making more of these? They are, right? Mm, yeah, but they're not gonna do like out of these sets of this set of characters. This is a one and done thing. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the other one that should be an honorable mention is Super Mario Bros. I think that had such a moment in the culture this this year. Like, peaches, it peaches. really. <laughs> <laughs> man that's still a jam i gotta turn that back on uh yeah no i think it my crowd was kind of like the idea of like barbie being so diverse of a crowd like age-wise i think it, this was as well it was just and, and and for a movie that had so much fear of like chris pratt being mario's voice i think it yeah it wasn't a perfect cast let's let's say it but I, I, you know, seeing your your favorite, uh, not cartoons, but characters on screen in a movie that actually looks good, it can also just be a, you know, a, a win. And I think it was a fun watch. I definitely loved it. I, I got a chance to watch it with, uh, I watched it at home with my niece and technically my nephew though i don't know if he can understand any of, the, of what's going on the screen um, but that's that's like the fun thing is like yeah little kids will love it just because it's like you know animated characters having fun fighting and adults will love it because there was a lot of you know jokes that would go over kids heads yeah yeah definitely i love the little star in the in the film that, that was my favorite <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, my favorite <laughs> Yeah, that one really resonated with me. Too. Chris Pratt really needs to stop voice acting, though. Like, come on, you can't be Garfield, Garfield and too? yeah, he's doing Garfield <laughs> yeah. and Mario. Well, like, what? Pick a lane, sir. It's a me, a Garfield. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> All right, let's finish off our movie list. Uh, my last one. Again, I know the audience score is terrible for this, but I really enjoyed it. I mean. If you know me, you know I'm an outdoorsy person. I I love camping, hiking, biking across the country. Love doing all that stuff. Uh, Happiness for Beginners on Netflix. It's the Ellie Kemper movie. It's like a hiking comedy. Terrible, terrible reviews. Uh, not great acting. But she's like a ray of sunshine in it. And it's just a lot of fun of like somebody who's like really stuck in their ways of like city life and... It's almost like a hallmark, but for nature, <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> I, I truly do believe that like he like nature is purely just healing and like just resetting the human body. And I think that message was actually delivered in this. And for that reason, I'm going to give it its day in the sunlight. On the top of a mountain that is getting hiked. Yeah. yeah. Plus, there was nice like, little drama in there that like, suspense that you get to keep up with and a little rom-com to it as well you had me at rom-com well that was the last thing i said so yeah that took a while <laughs> but you got me <laughs> Should have led with that next time all right. did you watch it at all or no i have not off, seen off it the radar. No. it's got I'm... like a 30 percent on rotten tomatoes so like i get it 
I'll probably look. I have a whole week off for Christmas, between Christmas and and New Year's, so I definitely will be stuffing movies upon movies on here. And that's yeah. been. I did that was a bite size one. Yeah, I think it was like an hour or something like that. Or okay, then yeah, I definitely like I'll skip over my one of my um yearly life uh, lifetime movie watches in exchange mm. for this. I've been I've been crushing Hallmarks. <laughs> um my last one is Godzilla minus one which I've been um we've Hyping. had a whole back and forth between <laughs> you Benji and myself uh over text message about Godzilla yeah. everything recently but which we um, will be doing an episode on yes the next one hopefully yep. hopefully in this year too which might come out before this one who knows <laughs> we, we'll never know um yeah you, you've been hyping this one up yeah, honestly, like I, so the last Japanese um, produced Godzilla anything I saw was Godzilla Ultima, I think. Was it called Ultima or something? It was an anime, um, which I like. I enjoy those as much as I can. <laughs> like I'm not a big anime person either. Uh, but before that, the live action one was uh, Shin Godzilla, which was a just another retelling of Godzilla essentially, but in modern times. And the thing I like about the Japanese produced live action stuff, when they really like put their heart and soul into it, it's a social commentary on something. Just the original Godzilla released in 1956 or 1954 um, was a commentary on the U.S. drop of the atomic bomb in Japan. That had happened about a decade before the release of that film. So that was a big criticism of the Japanese government's lack of response for their own people um and the u and the criticism of the u.s basically just kind of ditching them um this film godzilla minus one is basically a retelling of that sto- original story but redone with a couple different twists new characters it is very human heavy um but godzilla has never been more menacing than in this film <laughs> um i legitimately so in almost every godzilla film except for shin godzilla too uh, but in almost any godzilla film i'm always rooting for godzilla he was a, he was a straight up a hole in this one. Oh yeah. <laughs> like as soon as he shows up on the screen, I was terrified for these people. Um, it, it's a it's supposedly it was like a fifteen million dollar budget. According to the director, it was substantially less than that. This movie looks like a hundred fifty million dollars put into it, uh, which is very very impressive. Um, it's all subtitles, <laughs> by the way. I haven't seen an English dub version of this, but to be honest with you, this is very well acted um it's centered the, the premise is basically following a um kamikaze pilot who survives uh his, the war um towards the end right so he basically has a moment of cowardice and does not go through with his mission which then ends up with him going to this island where he ultimately has his first confrontation with godzilla panics again and becomes one of two survivors of that encounter um and that just kind of spirals and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens but basically it's basically him versus godzilla ultimately um but it was a great commentary on again the japanese government's lack of um attention to their people's problems post-war it's a very brutal movie at times um but yeah this to be honest with you this might be the best godzilla film they've done I think both in the Ameri- for either the American or Japanese audiences, I think this one really kind of sells it home. And I would be very surprised if they do not, at the very least, like nominate this film for best foreign film, 
Yeah, I was gonna say that might be in the in the category. The music for this is incredible. Like the mm-hmm. the CG, all of it. Like for especially when you bear in mind again, this we're talking about a movie that probably has worked with less than ten million dollars to produce this. Wow, it's so good. Yeah, the trailer like, looked amazing. Like I I thought it was a big budget movie as well. He will ha- it will have you like I the moment Godzilla sets foot. There's a there's a moment in the movie. Where this dude is just standing over the destruction he just he just created, like if he's like if he's proud of himself, and I'm just in there being like, you, you, you a hole, I swear. <laughs> but no, it, it it was good. It was it was terrifying. Godzilla's a straight up villain in this one. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with the current Godzilla is like he's humanity's friend. I mean, he destroys our cities in his fights, but. It's like he also is mindful on the way back to the ocean of like, oop, let me just step in my original tracks and not make more destruction. It's like, that's not what Godzilla would do. Like, yeah. there needs to be a little bit of like menacing, like a holery. Listen, this is I, I view it like this. The American Godzilla, the one that we have from the Monsterverse and all that, that's the Godzilla you run duels with. You know, the Godzilla from minus one is the Godzilla that even though the rest of his team is eliminated, you're not going to try and stay there and challenge him. You you got to run the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to I think I am going to give that a try because um, you have been hyping it up and uh, it looked good to me. Drag Benji with you <laughs> if you haven't seen this yet. Guys, wrapped up with this kid. Fatherhood changes people. Take the kid with you. Loser. <laughs> uh, let's do shows you know, relatively quickly. I feel like these were also like, there's millions we could pick from. So it's hard to justify some over others. But do you want to go first? I did movies first. Yeah, I'll, I, I could speed run through my list. And then we can talk afterwards about the, the ones we have in common or that. Um, again, in no specific order, I put um, Ahsoka, Loki Season 2, The Bear, Succession and uh, Abbott Elementary, just to kind of toss a fun one into the mix there. I've heard great things on Abbott Elementary. If you liked the early seasons of Modern Family or like the early seasons of The Office and all that, this is like a combination of all that, but in an elementary school, it's it's so fun. Yeah, it's so fun. It has that rewatchability factor too. Nice. Yeah, I, my my family is really into it, so I. I Got to give that a try. Yeah, I also put um, Loki season two and the bear on my list. Can we talk a second on the bear? Yes. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I watched the show on a whim, too. Like, it was one of those that, like, it's been, like, a lot of coworkers were recommending it, too. But um, I only gave it a shot recently. And it uh, it very quickly surprised me. And it just like it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. I guess. Yeah. Everyone raved about it, and I was like, it can't be that good, guys. And then I watched it like inside of a week, like season one and two. And I'm so happy that season two counted for 2023 because that was such a tremendous season where every episode a character got their due, and each one just hit a home run with their performances. Like the guy who played Richie, uh, Ebon Moss. Bakrak, Bak, I don't know. Uh, he was phenomenal when he goes to that uh, three-star Michelin um, restaurant and just like is so, you know, doesn't care about it, so apathetic. 
and then starts to realize like why Carmi loves this business and starts to respect it and starts to learn about Carmi from those other chefs. Like I love that. And like the pastry chef guy who went to, to Germany, like there was every episode was so perfect. Yeah, and the way that it treated the whole mental health aspect of yeah. this, I thought was so, it's so, like, I feel like most of the time when they try to tackle this, it's very cliche and kind of overdone and all that. And stuff from, like, the 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 camera work all the way to, like, the sound design of the show, re- they really went out of their way to make it as, um, have even, like, the subtle little things have as big of an impact as possible. Yeah. Yeah, this was a very easy pick for me as well, just to put it in the top five. Um, so yeah, I had the Bear Loki season two, which I, you know, I think that was a home run. And and if you haven't watched the assembled of it, even though it is a lot of those like side uh, interviews, it's still really worth to watch that um, the Loki app because they always they always get into those things where it's like costume design and like set design, and even if you're not really into that element of it it's still something that you can really respect because they're they're doing big scale things there uh i threw ted lasso season three on there i know a lot of people didn't love it um to me it was like a perfect wrap-up i mean the very last scene of the last episode was kind of weird like hidden either dreaming his friends lives without him or whatever but every episode up until that point to me was just like this this show just doesn't miss and it continues i am kind of glad that they're like kind of willing to say let's end on a high note we don't have to just keep bringing things back because we want to kind of milk it until it's dry oh sorry (laughs) i thought it was a great ending personally like i i know people had their complaints and stuff and i kind of i agree with maybe one or two points of it but i think for the most part uh, maybe i would have had a little bit more of the whole nathan shelley thing being resolved a little bit better I was going to say, that's like that's one thing that, like, I was so anti-Nate. I was like, there's no redeeming this character. And then they did it, and I actually was okay with it. Yeah, I, w- I just would have, I would have hoped that we'd taken a little bit more time with that. But again, like, I ultimately, like, the direction was the direction they went. I thought that it, it worked. It made sense for the character, too. And it's also something that you, I feel like the reason why they didn't take too much time is because there might be some sort of spinoff with him. Mm. It, it's clear that the Ted character is kind of done. Yeah. Is done, you know. And but there could be a season four without him, but yeah. it might not be called Ted Lasso. Then it could just be something else. Or they could do Ted, but in America, like because there is also that bit with Messi over here now and the Juventus League. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's more of a fo- focus there, and with Apple having that whole uh game season pass thing chances are they might want to push it as a promo of sorts i don't know but like it, to me if, the, if there's no more and this is it i'm i'm perfectly happy with it i actually managed to get my brother and my sister-in-law to watch the show and they were hooked like yeah. right off the bat they binged that whole thing in like two weeks i think yeah it's an easy watch and it, it's really addicting um and i think they the thing that they always nail is like the big speech in each in each episode and i think this was a season very similar to the bear where it was like a new character kind of got to be that person who delivered it almost showing that like they it's evolved past just uh jason sudeikis being the one who can deliver the big game rallying speech like you got the beard giving some to nate you got um what's his name why am I blanking? Jamie? 
well, Jamie had some. Roy Kent had that big one in the press conference. Like, ever, it, it, like Lasso just rubbed off on everyone and on the crowd as well. Like us watching, and I think that's kind of the point of like this show could survive without him because everyone's learned something from him, right? Yeah, yeah. You just can't call it Ted Lasso no more. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Richmond way, right? That's what they renamed yeah. the book to. Yeah. Uh, another one on Apple. If you haven't watched this, Shrinking. I know we talked about this a lot on other episodes. To me, this is just one of the best like mental health episode like shows out there. The bear, like you were talking about, I think really nails it. This is like the bear was like the extreme like disorders and like really it manifesting through physical actions. This was more so like dealing with grief and dealing with like anxieties and stuff like that. And I I thought like each episode of this new show was just tremendous. Yeah, I also binged this one too. Maybe yeah. about maybe three or four weeks ago. Um, I don't know if I brought it up the last time we talked, but yeah, um, Harrison Ford puts in a great performance. I wish we had yeah. a little bit more of him in the show, uh, but I kind of get why we don't. Um, but yeah, every every character in here feels as fleshed out. It's like an American version of Ted Lasso within a different category, a different subset of characters, obviously. Yeah, like something like The Bear, where it's like you, you don't get that many laughs like intentional laughs you get more of like laughing at how ridiculous a person is acting but to turn something about like mental health into something funny is really impressive and that's what shrinking does uh and the last one was last of us for me that was like that barely got in because ahsoka was also great i almost put that in my list but kind of the same idea you were thinking with the movies like put something else in there um I never really played the game, so to me, a lot of these storylines were kind of new. I, I had watched some people play it on Twitch, but uh, I so I don't know if it's a perfect comparison to the video games. But to me, it was like a game come became real. Yeah, in some aspects, it's almost a frame by frame adaptation, and then there's others where it's very loose, like the the Nick Offerman episode. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely new to the like you had indications of it and you had um some establishment of that relationship through little side quests that you do during when when you get to that uh town. Um, but the Nick Offerman story was original to the show, and I thought it, it handled that all so well. Like it didn't feel like episodes. A, yeah, yeah. I was I was blown away with the quality of it. Like to be honest with you, um this one, I think more so that even than Mandalorian, I think highlighted Pedro Pascal's ability to just kind yeah. of completely um, nail any role that he's in. Yeah, there, well, there's no mask, right? Like Mandalorian is like a lot of voice acting and, and does have to stretch the range a little bit there, but it's also not dialogue heavy. Stretch. This... Stretch, Emmett? Yeah. Is that is that a reference to Pedro Pascal being casted as Mr. Fantastic in Fantastic Four? No, nope, wasn't. Was that a stretch of me? <laughs> yeah, you could. You don't have to keep doing it. <laughs> Let that thing snap right back. <laughs> oh, did he? I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, he's he's uh, Mr. Fantastic. Apparently, how many Fantastics does that make? One. Mm, we had Jim Halpert. Oh no. <laughs> we had Miles Teller. Four. We had that other guy who was actually really good as him. From <laughs> the originals, right? Yeah, I don't know his name. We've had four Mr. Fantastics. 
The Fantastic Four. Yeah. Mr. Fantastic. So. That was the one from the <laughs> 90s. The one that's available, that was only available at Comic-Con VHS bootlegs because Marvel tried to completely delete that. Then there was the one that we saw in the 2000s with this, those two movies. Then there was Miles Teller and now there's Pedro Pascal. So there's four. Wow. Look at you count. <laughs> no, look at that. <laughs> I had just in the <laughs> fingers too. <laughs> For those who don't know, Ivan lost a finger in a tragic boating accident. I did. <laughs> no other details offered here. <laughs> I still can't talk about it. It's, it shakes me to my core. Yeah. It's a, it's a real Jaws thing going on for him. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I think that, does, that about does it. I don't really have any others. I mean, a possible nomination would have been Righteous Gemstones. I just finally now got into it, but I feel like that had four seasons and the fourth one counted, so... It's kind of hard to say that that was a a 2023 show. But worth the watch, because I put that off for so long, and it was very funny. I had a few that were kind of my runners-ups. Yeah. Uh, Beef, Good Omens, and Reservation Dogs are... Beef, I started. I'm still in the middle of it. Um, Great show. Um, I think it's very much... uh, It's on Netflix. Um, That's one that's kind of hard to kind of describe it as a bit of a drama um but steven yoon who was in the walking dead is kind of highlighting or spearheading the show um he's had a really good run i think recently he's he's kind of blowing up with invincible and all these other projects that he's in and apparently he's going to be part of the mcu soon as well everybody's joining the mcu nowadays i guess um good omens i don't know if you've seen that that's on amazon prime that one's a really really good show i loved season one Season two just finished this year. Um, I think right before the strikes, actually. Yeah, uh, I never watched that, but it looked it, it, like the trailers looked pretty funny. It's hilarious. I love the first season. Um, the second season, a little bit more of that. Uh, but David Tennant, I always enjoy David Tennant in almost anything he's in, to be honest with you. He's like a scene yeah. stealer. Um and he's the only reason why I went and watched that season of Doctor Who that he was a part of. And now apparently he's in, in more of those. Um, Reservation Dogs, that's a Fox Hulu uh, project. Also very good. Kind of a little bit of a comedy uh, there. But uh, that's all. So that's one about uh, living on the reserve uh, on the reservations. Um, that one I do highly recommend just because I feel like it's 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 one of those that are like treads the, the thread of uh comedic and also serious topics um and really does a good job at at juggling both of those um but before we wrap up the whole show's thing i did just want to talk about ahsoka real quick even though we've already dedicated four episodes to ahsoka (laughs) and we just launched our finale of it but yeah i'd love to get more time to it go ahead i love ahsoka (laughs) it was no honestly um like i'll be honest i thought so Mandalorian that can kind of put into a little bit of a runner-up here. I didn't really want to put too much emphasis on it because I feel like a lot of folks for some reason had negative, um, more negative opinions about Mandalorian Season 3. I personally enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Definitely not as good as the first two. the Jack Black and Lizzo episode, man. I think that's what it was, right? Yeah. I'm not joking. I think they went cameo heavy and that was not the direction that fans wanted. It was, let's just give me more Mando and Grogu. Well, that's kind of, that kind of leads me to my commentary on Ahsoka because I think that like with with Dave Filoni getting promoted to being like the head of content there, um, 
it gives me hope because you can clearly tell that Mando season three lacked Dave Filoni. <laughs> you know, he he didn't really, and, and it made sense. He was off writing and preparing and show running Ahsoka. So of course he wasn't going to be on like supervising duties for Mando season three, but it definitely, you can tell when somebody knows their stuff lore wise. And when somebody doesn't and kind of, you know, the that's why i feel like sometimes you get ridiculous explanations where like jetpack fuel runs out when you're chasing after a bird and then like a few episodes later you have enough jetpack fuel to get into the atmosphere <laughs> you know cross yeah. the atmosphere and into a spaceship um so ahsoka for me like represented like the perfect mesh of a star wars show um and it from start to finish it caught my attention i i thought i thought it's only flaw and i'll and i'll Say it again, what I said in those ep- in the episodes that we covered the show in, but I feel like it's only sin was relying too much on you knowing enough information about these characters by the time you come into the show. It um, it probably could have used a little bit of reintroduction for some of those characters, but other than that, I thought it was as good as it was uh, as good as we can get Star Wars um, on Disney Plus at the moment. Yeah, I, I I'm okay with it because I did put in the time to watch those right like i don't care about other fans that didn't they knew it was coming so that's on them uh <laughs> but <laughs> the things that upset me were like as someone who did dedicate time they made some jumps and assumptions that were like oh i didn't see how that could have happened like sabine being trained i don't have a problem with her being trained i have a problem that like we found out about it through like later episodes re- referencing a past that we didn't get to see and like, did she get yeah. good at it? Did she not get, like? So there was there was little things that they introduced here and there that didn't quite add up. But to me, it was like, yeah, this was one of the best shows because we watched Rebels forever and seeing animated uh, characters that we fell in love with come become live on the on the on the main screen. Like that was really exciting to watch. So even if like the plot suffers in some points. I think that aspect really made up for it. And I think Rosario Dawson's like the best choice for Ahsoka. And I don't care what anyone says about like, but she's a kid. It's like, no, she was a kid. Now we are in an age where she's not like, I don't care about that. Like her, you know, evolution as a character and as a person and now as a mentor, like it all made sense. I saw this really funny compilation of people being like, oh, she crosses her arms too much. Um, and, the, and then like somebody on TikTok took the compilation of her crossing her arms too much on a show and then compared it to the time she crosses her arms all the time in Clone Wars and Rebels it's like it's her stance it's that's the same how she thing. stands yeah <laughs> but She's it's not just standoffish you know, it's just that she like doesn't agree with how everyone else behaves yeah and I feel like that's the thing about like um, it, it, I feel like media literacy is kind of failing in this country a bit <laughs> you know what I mean like um, and I think people are a bit impatient for a lot of their stuff, especially when it's a show over it being a movie or something. Um, but this series definitely brought a lot of stuff that I, I thought was great. I hope we get to see more of it. I'm I'm pretty sure we will. I mean, if they elevated Filoni's spot to what he is now, then I highly doubt we've seen the end of the Ahsoka series. Well, I think they've just put themselves in such a great position to be like, these can be standalone. These can be you know, intertwined in some ways where they help support each other on specific missions or 
maybe we just explore an option where we just do one big mashup where it's like an entire season of everybody that you love. It's like, I don't know what direction they're going. I don't really care because it could work in any one of those lanes. I just want to see Godzilla meets <laughs> Ahsoka. And then Thanos <laughs> arrives with the reality stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then cut to the desert. Arm reaches out from the sand. Whose is it? None other than the best car armor of Django Fett falling. <laughs> Man, that came true. It's so good. Way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, I, I, do, I do agree. I think we kind of brushed over uh, both of us having Ahsoka near that top five or in it. So thank you for going back for that. But no more going back, only going forward as we move into 2024 together. All right, what are we what are we looking forward to in 2024? We'll probably make a whole. I feel like that deserves its whole other Don't. thing. You stay tuned. Getting, getting ahead <laughs> of myself here. You're asking the questions for the audience, and I'm gonna say, hold your horses. For, for all our Ukraine listeners out there, who are thank listening y'all. from the future. Thank y'all for listening. Yeah, thank thank y'all for listening. Make sure re- you reload that clip efficiently. <laughs> oh, oh. All right. With that (laughs) catastrophe, let's get out of here. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone.